0: This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at
1: goodnewsbaptist.org. This is obviously our final lesson. Uh, Going back a few weeks, maybe about a month or so ago, we started talking about the solution to PTSD, if you want to call it that. Um, from a biblical perspective, and uh, really, if we had to boil it all down, and and again, when we talk about a solution, remember, of course, we understand, I think, uh, you know, post-traumatic stress, it can be different uh, for everyone. We're all different. We all respond differently to the stressors and traumas of life. And what bothers me, what is, what is traumatic for me may not be traumatic for you and vice versa. But no, no, no matter who we are and whatever the problem is, whatever the stress or trauma is, uh, I think we can boil down the solution. I like to think of it in two ways. One, and uh, you know, we, we've said this a hundred times, we need to know God. Of course, we need to be saved. We need to be, you need to be a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, obviously, or else um, you have no hope. And, of course, that's, that's the key, is, uh, because folks can endure, you know, we can suffer some pretty terrible, some pretty traumatic things in this world, whether you're a believer or unbeliever. And if you don't have the hope of salvation in Jesus Christ, um, yeah, you're, you're really going to struggle. And so, obviously, salvation is primary. But then, even beyond that, because for the purposes of this class, you know, we're kind of... We're, we're assuming, you know, that... We assume that. We, we, we know that a person would have to need to be saved. And so, uh, you know, for us believers, you know, how can we understand all of this stuff? How can we help others? How can we counsel others who may be... Uh, Struggling, how can we counsel ourselves when we uh, struggle, when we go through difficult times? I like to think of it two ways. One, we just need to know God. And again, with 2 Peter 1, you know, he, God promises his grace and peace to those who truly know him, who will know him through his word. God promises to multiply his grace and peace in our lives. Psalm 119, 165 is similar. It says, um, great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them or cause them to stumble. Think of Isaiah 26.3, which says, help me out, what does that one say? He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So we need to keep our minds stayed, fixed on the Lord. And the Lord, if we'll do that, he promises to bless us with his peace. And uh, that's why, and again, going back to 2 Peter 1, uh, it's through the knowledge of God that he multiplies grace and peace in our lives. So that's why these last few weeks, we've been talking about knowing our God better. You know, his sovereignty, his uh, his love, and then tonight we're going to talk about his, his great wisdom. So, so important. And, uh, at the same time, I think, and we've made this point already too, it's so helpful to have a biblical, if you want to call it this, a biblical theology of suffering. You know, we don't want to be deceived. Remember that story I shared last week about the army captain who, uh, was in the fight there in Afghanistan. And this guy was, you know, when I read it, I, I tend to think he wasn't a believer He professed to be a believer. If he was, he was a very nominal Christian. But uh, he knew of that other young guy in his platoon or company that was, uh, you know, on fire for God, a born-again young man. And that young believer got killed. And this captain, his captain, had grown up thinking that, okay, if you're a Christian, that means, you know, God's kind of made a deal with you and you're going to be kind of exempt from you know, tragedy. And so, what's that? Yeah, and so this this captain, his whole world was shaken, rocked to the core, when, you know, this uh, this Christian young man that loved God, it was so evident, when he got killed, this guy didn't understand it. And, uh, and that's normally where folks are going to have trouble. When we misinterpret remember remember I'm trying I'm sorry I'm trying to think back to week one do you remember actually you know I have it written down here Um, I wrote it down do you remember in week one we said I shared this quote with you from Greg Gifford we said that he said that PTSD if it's a disorder at all it's an interpretive disorder meaning that the way one perceives the threat or the circumstance or whatever determines their response to the threat or incident or problem. Uh, And we made the point, again, it's it's not really your circumstances that matter so much. It's what you think about your circumstances that matters. And so, again, as we encounter trouble and trauma in this life, it's so important, one, that we know God. We know our loving, sovereign, all-wise God. But, two, it's also important that we understand what his word says about suffering, that uh, we're not exempt from suffering as Christians, but that God promises to be with us uh, in the, through the storms, and uh, he understands our pain, he's, he's loving, he promises to work for our good, and that, that is so, so helpful, and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight again as we consider our all-wise God. He knows what is best for us. Let's just take a look at the introduction here at the top of the notes. In the uh, last two weeks, we surveyed scriptural teaching on the sovereignty of God, the love of God. This week, we turn our attention to another of God's attributes, his infinite wisdom. Uh, Peter tells us that God will bless his people with grace and peace as they truly know him through his word, 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4. Christians struggling with fear, anxiety, or loss will find that as they come to know their all-wise, all-loving, and all-sovereign God, he will indeed work mightily in their hearts, enabling them to trust him even amid the stress and trauma of life in a sin-cursed world. Let me share a quote with you from, uh, I recommended this book. Do you remember Jerry Bridges, Trusting God? Great book. What a help this was to me many years ago. And I uh, actually reread it again uh, recently and uh, quoted Jerry. What's that? I'm reading it. You're reading it right now? Okay, good. All right, yeah, great book. Very helpful. And let me share this quote with you. Um, Again, talking about the the sovereignty of God, the wisdom of God, the love of God. And and Jerry Bridges here is kind of putting them all together in this uh, single sentence. He says this, God in his love always wills what is best for us. In his wisdom, he always knows what is best. And in his sovereignty, he has the power to bring it about. So I like that. In his love, he always wills what is best for us. In his wisdom, he always knows what is best. And in his sovereignty, he has the power to bring it about. So praise God again. He is all-wise, all-loving, all-sovereign. We're not going to, just like kind of the last few weeks, we're not going to read every word of the handout, or else we won't finish probably. I want to pay, I want to get to the end of it here pretty quick. So let's... Let's kind of go fast, and you, uh, you can read through this if you want uh, later tonight. If uh, you're having trouble sleeping, you just pull this out, and you can try to you read, read through there. But uh, God's wisdom, here's your first, I, I kind of got away from the fill in the blanks the last few weeks, and uh, so we got some blanks to fill in tonight. God's wisdom knows no limits. God's wisdom knows no limits. I like Psalm one forty seven five, simple verse. His understanding—this is just part of the verse—but his understanding is infinite. And Paul in Romans eleven thirty three, the first part of that verse, he talks about. He says, "Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. God's wisdom is infinite; it knows no limits." Certainly, clearly, it's greater than our wisdom. And uh, if you skip down to the bottom of the page, it's greater than the wisdom of our adversaries. So you need not worry. We need not worry about uh, those who might trouble us, including Satan, trying to um, foist a plan that will prevail against God and what he has planned for us. It's not going to work. Um, no wisdom can prevail against God, as the scripture says. Uh, let's, let's turn over to page two. Second fill in the blank. God's wisdom defies comprehension. It defies comprehension. Isaiah fifty five eight for my thoughts are your, are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways saith the Lord you know we don't always understand what God is doing we may look at a situation maybe it's 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 your life maybe it's something that's going on in your in your life with your family or maybe it's uh, in a, a friend or a fellow you know fellow church member and. Uh, doesn't make sense. You think, well, why, why is God doing this? Why is he allowing this? And, of course, we understand that God's plans, they're often mysterious to us. He doesn't, uh, you know, aside from what he reveals in his word, he doesn't explain to us why we're going through a certain circumstance, even back in, uh, when scripture was still being recorded. We, uh, we gather from reading the book of Job that Job never knew. It doesn't appear that God ever told Job uh, about the cosmic contest that was going on in heaven between God and Satan. Uh, so we can't always understand what God is doing. We do know that his plans often involve adversity. Uh, letter B down there, bottom of page 2. God desires Christians to be fruitful in their service to him and others. Such fruitfulness often requires adversity. Just as a corn of wheat must die before it can bear any fruit, and that's a reference to John 12, 24, so God's pruning work in the life of his servant, that's you and me, often precedes fruitful service. And that's a reference to John 15, verse 2. And so we need to remember that God uses our adversity for His glory, not, and, but not only His glory, but at the same time for our good. Here's another quote from Jerry Bridges. God in His infinite wisdom knows exactly what adversity we need to grow into the likeness of His Son. He not only knows what we need, but when we need it, and how best to bring it to pass in our lives. So, the lesson here is, and we all know this, right? I mean, this is kind of easy. We, we all know this. It's kind of hard sometimes to put it into practice, though, right? I mean, we understand that this is, we all understand that this is kind of simple Bible truth, if you will, but sometimes hard to put it into practice. Uh, we understand that we're not always going to understand God's ways, but we need to trust him anyway. Uh, he, he loves us. He's all loving, all wise, all sovereign. He's in control, and he's doing what's best for us. That's what his word says. And we'll see that here in a minute. We're going to look again at Romans 8.28. Um, God knows what he is doing. Let me read. Forgive me for quoting from Jerry Bridges so many times. Today, but uh, again, of all the books, you know, if I had to, all the books that ever helped me uh, in my life, and it, it was just the time. You know, this was about 14, 15 years ago for me. Um, this book, I think I said this a few weeks ago, but this book was such a incredible help to me, and uh, and so I commend it to you or to someone that you know who. Uh, may be struggling and uh, just good stuff for any of us to review. Like I said, I went back and reread this just a few months ago and it's uh, uh, still wonderful, wonderful truths to continue to uh, to learn and, and uh, be reminded of. But listen to this, I got two quotes for you here. Uh, God knows exactly what he intends we become And he knows exactly what circumstances, both good and bad, are necessary to produce that result in our lives. God makes no mistakes. Um, I skipped down a little bit. God makes no mistakes. He knows infallibly, with infinite wisdom, what combination of good and bad circumstances will bring us more and more into sharing his holiness. He never puts too much of the salt of adversity into the recipe of our lives his blending of adversity and blessing is always exactly right for us and that would have to be the case right if God is all loving if he is all wise and all sovereign that would have to be the case otherwise he would be deficient somehow whether in love or in wisdom Or in his sovereignty. But he's not. He is perfectly wise. Perfectly loving. Perfectly sovereign. Uh, He loves his children more than we. Maybe one day in heaven. We'll we'll begin to understand it. He loves us. As he loves his son. Jesus Christ. And uh, so nothing is going to. Happen to us. uh, Outside of his will. And it's all part of his perfect plan for us. And if we can. If we can hold on to that, you know, in our darkest days, that should bring uh, some measure of comfort and relief uh, to us. Uh, Not to to say that life uh, still isn't hard and that we still don't um, suffer anguish uh, even for not only ourselves, but sometimes for loved ones, you know, close family members that we see who are struggling or away from the Lord. Uh, just like Paul said, he had unceasing anguish in his heart uh, as he considered the lost state of his brethren. Uh, he had unceasing anguish in his heart, and yet he had joy in the Lord. He didn't sorrow as those uh, who have no hope. So, um, Anyway, transitioning to page three. Any comments, questions? Here's where we're gonna open our Bibles, and uh, you guys can help me. First, at the top, we've uh, we've already been talking about this. God's wisdom works for our good, very good. God's wisdom works for our good. In Romans eight twenty-eight says, and you can see it there, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28 is one of the most encouraging verses in the whole Bible. I really believe that. It teaches us that God is continually working for the good of his people, even through their bad experiences, through whatever it is. You know, Scripture says all things work together for good. That's everything. God is the master chess player who is well able to plan, arrange, and orchestrate our lives so that his sovereign will is ultimately accomplished and all for our good. Again, praise the Lord. That's that's mind-boggling to me. And if you think about it, you know, all things, that even, that even includes my mistakes. It even includes my sin. Now, again, not that God approves of my sin, not that he makes me sin. You know, we, we know all that. We understand that the tension here when we're talking about the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. But God, even when I mess up, all things work together for my good. Think about that. And... Uh, that, again, that's that's just so amazing, so comforting. And uh, again, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to suffer the consequences of my sin uh, for a while. Um, of course, we see that all through Scripture. We see, for example, David. Uh, you know, many examples. Those who sinned against the Lord, they suffer the consequences for our sin. But in the end, God promises to work all things together For our good. But what is the good? Uh, And I think you know the answer, but we're going to talk about that next. This is kind of what we're going to do here. You see all these blanks we're going to fill in. You guys can help me. Uh, What we're talking about here are God's purposes in suffering. Why does he allow us to suffer? And we're kind of already alluded to the big one. Okay. Okay. So we're going to tackle that one first, and then we're going to hit a whole bunch of other reasons why God allows us to suffer. And a lot there's a, there's a lot of overlap, okay, between these as you're going to see. There's a lot of overlap, and some of them, like the first three, there. Well, underneath, underneath the first one, um, you're going to see three that are kind of maybe a subset of that of that first one. But uh, but anyway, it, I think it's neat to look. at at the Bible, and that's what we're going to do. What does God's word say about this? Why does God allow us to suffer? Why does he allow his children to suffer? The Bible has a lot to say on this. And, um, and I'll make the point at the end, but for me, this is, this is so encouraging. Once we understand all the things that God wants to do through our trials, it, it is a real encouragement. So, Number one, or actually, I guess, little I there under, under B. Um, God, you guys help me fill in the blank. Let's, uh, let's turn to Romans 8, 28 and 29. Um, and you can help me guess the word that we want. And there's, in, in one sense, there's no right or wrong answer. There might be a few words that, that would kind of mean the same thing. So there might be a few right answers here. But what do you think belongs in this first blank? Um, yeah, that's a good one. God grows us through adversity. I, I chose the word matures, but I think grows is just as good. And I almost picked that one. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's a good answer. God grows us through adversity. Isn't that what these two verses are saying? Again, we, we read that all things work together for good in Romans 8, 28. And then in verse 29, what's the good? What is the good? To be conformed to, his image. to, be conformed to the image of Christ. That's the good. So God wants to grow us or mature us through adversity. We, all, we also see this in Romans 3. You do, we're going to do a lot of flipping here. Is that okay? And if you get tired of flipping, if you say tonight I'm just too tired and I don't want to flip, that's fine. You can just wait till uh, somebody, <laughs> wait till we read it. But we're gonna do a lot of flipping. Yeah, this yeah, to be your exercise for the day. If you didn't get your jo- your run this morning, okay, three, three, three through four. This passage makes the same point. Wait a minute. That's a typo. Okay. Romans five. Three through four. That's a typo there. I need to take note of that. Romans 5. Three through four. Does everybody see that? If you want to correct your handout. We're under little I. Where we said God grows us through adversity. And then down at the end of that. Uh, whole little blurb there. After it talks about. He brings trials to strengthen our faith. And make us more like his son Jesus. Jesus. Instead of Romans three, three through four, it says it should say Romans five, three through four. Okay, so let's read that. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. So these trials they tend to strengthen our faith, our endurance. They make us stronger in the Lord. If we were to look up, we won't do it for the sake of time, but if we were to look up James, that's what J-A-S stands for there. You probably figured that out. James 1, 2 through 4 says almost the same thing. Okay? So as part of this work now, so maybe these next three, you could almost say that these are like a subset of what we're just talking about. When we're talking about God growing us through adversity, sometimes as part of that process, First, he needs to do what? Let's look at Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8. And you know what I'm going to do? To save time. How about this? That's what I... You, hey, great minds think alike. Judy. Do you want to look up Deuteronomy 8 two, Dennis? We'll just give everybody a few seconds here to find your verse, and then. Uh, okay, I've got eight. But don't, don't read it yet. You uh, you're gonna read that yours are, is gonna count twice. Okay. Dennis, do you want to go to Hebrews twelve? Uh, yeah, Hebrews chapter twelve for us. And then we'll just go right around the room here. Um, <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter one. Mrs. Canfield. We'll have you read those two verses. And then Job 42, 5 and 6. Psalm 119, brother. Yep. Second Corinthians 1. And then, uh, actually, you'll stay there and you can read, uh, you'll, you can hit the next one. 1 Peter 1. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-7, 2 Corinthians 4, 17. Take a second, you can look up your verse, you can be prepared to read it for us, and then we'll go faster. Of course, I've just frustrated everyone who wanted to flip to every passage and kind of see it for yourselves as we read it, but you can, I guess we can do that later. all right so Deuteronomy 82 Judy you want to read that for us
0: and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no
1: okay very good did you catch that I mean this is a this is a passage that speaks directly to this matter of it, it, it helps answer the question, why does God allow his children to suffer? And we, it clearly tells us two reasons in that verse. And these are your, your next two fill in the blanks. First, God tests us through adversity. Uh, the word there in the King James was, was proves us. Okay, God tests us through adversity. You know, it's almost like, it's, it's almost the sense that he... Um, He's testing us, not not because God needs to know what's in our heart, right? Because he's omniscient. But we need to know sometimes. So it's almost like he's exposing our sin, our weakness, to to us. You know, so he tests us through adversity, exposing the sin that's in our hearts so that we will take steps necessary to spiritual maturity. What was the second thing that we saw in there? Anybody catch it? He humbles us through adversity. Yeah, he humbles us. Number two, that's, the sec- that's your second blank there, number two. Um, just as God humbled the Israelites during their 40 years of wilderness wanderings, and that's, what, that's the context of what we were just reading about, so God humbles us in our wilderness years or wilderness experiences, preparing us for a victorious entrance into the promised land. All right, let's consider another reason why the Lord brings trouble or allows trouble into our lives. Dennis, now, for sake of time here, man, we're down to the last 18 minutes. Uh, I won't have you read that whole passage, but as you skim through there, can you pick it out? Why don't you read for us, start it like halfway through verse 5 and just read that verse. I think will help us. Let me get there myself. Just read the second half of verse five. Okay. For whom the Lord is that how it starts? No. no?
0: My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art forgiven of him.
1: Okay, keep going. For whom?
0: For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourges every son whom he receiveth.
1: Very good. So what's the answer there? Chastens. Or maybe you could say disciplines. You know, other, other versions of the Bible would use the word disciplines. God chastens us through adversity. And uh, this passage, if you continue to read, it talks about how this discipline is grievous. That means it hurts. <laughs> that means it's painful. It's not fun. But what's the result? Yeah, the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them who are exercised thereby. In other words, if you are willing to be trained, um, if you are willing to be trained by God's discipline, if you will submit yourself to his discipline, he will produce the peaceable fruit of righteousness in your life. And again, that's kind of what we're talking about here. uh, you know, some people would argue, well, this passage only applies to, you know, a Christian who's in, you know, rebellion or, or wicked or willful sin. And I, I don't know that that's the case. You know, I think in one sense we could, you know, the, this this passage could apply to any of us, uh, even those who, uh, you know, aren't in deliberate sin. You know, we just kind of need, we all need to be trained. You know, the, the word here uh, that's translated chastening in the or chasten in, in the Greek, it refers to child training. You know, and we all need—we're all children. You know, we all continue to need our father's discipline, child training. Yes.
0: Where I, I didn't look it up. Where's the scripture that says, "Although he chastens us, it, but for a moment"? You know, it's it's short-lived.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> First Peter.
0: A Peter, um,
1: a lot I think it's in 1 Peter 4. Okay. Or if uh yeah. Could you say the verse again then? Well,
0: About chasing the Lord's chastening but for a moment. So give you
1: the hope that it's not gonna last forever. Yeah, that is a good <laughs> that's something good to hold on to. Um, <laughs> um
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, First Peter four twelve says, "Beloved, think it
1: not strange concerning the fire." Yeah, firm. we're gonna come to that
0: one.
1: That's not the one, though. 4:17. What is it? Say it again. Second Corinthians four
0: seventeen says, "For our light affliction, which is but for a moment." Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a. That might. That's a. That's another one that says the same thing. Thank you, Jason. Jesus. I think there's another one in First Peter though that says what you're saying, but but what the one that brother Jason just found mm-hmm. for us is saying the exact same thing. So that's a good. Thank you, brother. Yeah, that's something good to hold on to. Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: First Peter five. Uh, the God of all grace, who have called us into eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while,
1: yeah. make
0: you perfect. Yeah. Establish, strengthen, settle you. Yeah, that's what you were thinking of. That is the yeah. yeah, and again,
1: Jason's verse. That's that's the same thing. Romans mm-hmm. eight seventeen. Is that right? Second. Uh, or, or, oh yeah, Second Corinthians four seventeen.
0: Corinthians. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's just easier to bear knowing there's an ending.
1: The yeah, that's right. Yeah, Lamentations three says something similar, mm-hmm. in, in a general sense, that is encouraging. All right, all right, moving right along. We got 13 minutes. We got to hurry here. Right. Um, next, who has Second Corinthians one eight through ten? Go ahead, ma'am. Thank you. For
0: we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in the God which raises the dead, who delivereth us from so great a death, and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us.
1: Okay. So they experienced, uh, this is Paul speaking, they, they endured this experience where they almost died. Mm-hmm. And why? What was it? That we might not trust in ourselves, but in God, who raiseth the dead. I think, um, if, that's, if my memory serves me correct, what you just read. Um, so we could, uh, you know, there's a few different words here we could pick to summarize what that verse just taught us. I picked the word refocuses us. I don't know if that's the best way of putting it. Maybe you can think of a better word. But that's what came to my mind. Uh, Paul was reminded that, hey, you know, we don't trust in ourselves. We trust God who raises the dead. So God refocuses us through adversity. What else does he do? Job 42. Now remember, Job was not, his trial was not the result of his sin. It's not like he was a you know wicked sinner. That's what his buddies were trying to tell him, that he needed to repent of some hidden sin, some horrible sin in his life. And yet at the same time, Job Was Job perfect? Uh, was he a sinless person? Did he, No, he wasn't. Did he still need to grow in his faith? Yes. Mm-hmm. Did he still need a greater vision of God and God's glory? Of course, we all do. And that's one of the things that God accomplished through his trials. And we see that in these verses, which Erica is about to read for us. Okay, so that was Job speaking after God had revealed himself to Job through the whirlwind. And he said, you know, where were you when I laid the foundation of the world? And, and so God is, is kind you know, of, you know, rehearsing some of his you know, power and sovereignty and his wisdom before Job. And at the end of it all, Job says, I repent in dust and ashes. I had heard of you, Lord, by the hearing of the ear, but now... My eyes see you. Now I see your power and your glory. So God revives us through adversity. This was like a revival week for Job. It was his version of of the revival preacher coming to town. God revives us through adversity. What else does God do? Um, Brother Jason. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. That I might learn thy statutes. So God teaches us. He teaches us through adversity. And even specifically, he teaches us more about himself, more, more through his word. Nothing, I have the little note here, nothing causes us to dig into our Bibles like pain and suffering. Has that been your experience? Yes, sir. That was my experience, I'll tell you. And uh, uh, so I praise God for that time. I could go on and on. I I, I don't have time. I could share some more testimony now, but uh, praise God. Um, All right, what else does God do? Uh, Brother, do you want to read 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3, uh, through the first half of verse 4?
0: God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father
1: of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Very good. So God comforts us through adversity. He comforts us, causing us to rejoice in his love and prompting us to cling tighter to him. So this is another reason that God brings difficulties into our lives, just so that we will be encouraged to grab onto Him, and so that He can comfort us. And then, what happens? We could, this is kind of like part two. Moving on to number five there. Uh, continue reading, brother, the second half of verse four, and then read verse six as well. Whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. So what Paul is saying there is, you know, he suffers, and we as Christians suffer so that God can comfort us, and then we in turn can comfort others Mm -hmm. who are going through the same trials, or maybe it's not the exact same difficulty that you experienced, but maybe, you know, they're suffering, Uh, you've recently suffered, and God was able to comfort you, and then so you, you in turn are able to share with them, comfort, encourage them, so, you know, fill in the blank, you could pick a few different terms here, I thought of the term equips, he equips us through adversity, he equips us to help others, he equips us to be a help and blessing to others. God also, number six, encourages us. I'll just give you the blank here, the one that I thought of. He encourages us through adversity. And uh, ma'am, can you read 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7 for us? Wherein
0: you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perished, is, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory of the glory of Jesus Christ.
1: Okay, thank you. One of the things that God does is we endure the trial and we find that instead, remember the parable of the soils, which talked about those who when the trial came, you know, they quickly turned away from the Lord Was that the seed that came into the rocky soil or the one where the weeds came up and choked it? It was one of the two where when trials came, um, basically it was proven that they weren't a true believer. You know, they, whatever confession they had made, it wasn't real. But hey, if you go through a trial and in the end you are clinging to the Lord, seeking the Lord, um, Praise God. God's just given you assurance of your salvation. And uh, what a comfort that is. What an encouragement that is. That's why I picked the word encourages. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give you these last two. You can, sorry, ladies, you're not going to get to read. Is that okay? Because um, we, got, we got five minutes and we got to wrap. We got to at least have some bit of conclusion to this whole thing. Here's the words that I picked Unites for number seven. God unites us. Through adversity, we are further bonded to Christ and our fellow believers through the sufferings we share. And then number eight, God blesses us through adversity. We see that in 2 Corinthians 4.17. That's the verse that Jason um, mentioned a few minutes ago. Heaven will no doubt be sweeter because of the trials we endure on earth. I got to tell you, can I just pause? Let me just give you, we got five minutes. I got to share just, uh, I'm going to try to keep this very brief. Um, so 14, 15 years ago for me, the most difficult time in my life when God, uh, during that year and a half, I mean, he put my teeth into the cement. I borrow that from, I use that expression often when I share this testament, when I share my testimony, my son always says, like, oh, why do you say that, Dad? That sounds so... <laughs> Dumb. I actually got it from Jeremiah or uh, Lamentations 3, uh, where the prophet there talks about the suffering that he was enduring and basically the Lord making him eat gravel, you know. (laughs) And uh, anyway, during this uh, dark and uh, difficult time in my life, I already told you, trusting God. By Jerry Bridges, so helpful. But another thing that was so helpful to me is when I read, and I can remember the day, uh, I read a sermon. And I didn't listen to it. I read the manuscript copy of a, a copy of a sermon by by John MacArthur, and it was basically this. It was basically this kind of stuff. Um, his was. Uh, he didn't list as many points as I have here. It was, it was totally different in a sense. I mean, it was, it was some of the same basic stuff. But uh, what I'm trying to say is I didn't steal his outline. This isn't his sermon. Uh, again, that was 15 years ago when I read that. But it was the same basic question. Why does God allow trouble in the lives of his children? Why? What does the Bible say about that? And he covered, his were kind of broader points maybe, and he covered four or five, six basic reasons from scripture. And I don't know, the Lord used that. As I read that sermon, I was so encouraged because it kind of dawned on me like, wow, okay, God is doing this on purpose. He wants to help me. And and I had been, you know, a very mediocre Christian up until that time. And I'm not saying I'm, so I'm a great Christian now, but uh, I was more mediocre then than I am now. How about that? Um, but God used that, and he used that year and a half. And it, it, again, it dawned on me as I was reading that sermon, wow, what if the Lord wants to do you know, this in my life? And maybe he's doing this, and maybe he's trying to do this and this too. And maybe he wants me to be able to encourage others one day. And, is, and again, as that just kind of dawned on me, that that was just so encouraging. That, you know, my my trial, it, it wasn't by accident. God is sovereign. I'd been learning that from, you know, just my Bible study and, and reading books like Jerry Bridge's book. And, and this book here is another one, Not by Chance, Learning to Trust a Sovereign God, Leighton Talbert, another good one. And so as I was beginning to understand, you know, the sovereignty of God and his Purposes and trials for believers. I remember, even though I was really struggling with depression you know, during that time, I just remember that day I was, I was encouraged. And I thought, wow, Lord, maybe you want to do some of this stuff in my life. And that gave me hope. That gave me great hope. And uh, so again, praise the Lord for the encouragement that we can receive through his word. All right, we just got a minute or two to kind of wrap up. Um, I'll let you read the conclusion there on the back. You can read that later. Uh, I feel some obligation to try to, um, since this is the last lesson in this whole series, we've been talking about post-traumatic stress. We've been trying to look at it from a biblical standpoint. Let me just offer a minute's worth. I was hoping to have five minutes at this point, but... Let me just try to offer a minute's worth of summary. Well, hey, I, I want to go back to this quote again I shared at the beginning of class, which we shared in lesson one, which said, hey, if if PTSD is a disorder, it's, it's kind of an interpretive disorder. I liked what Greg Gifford, he's a biblical counselor. I liked what he said. It's an interpretive disorder, meaning that the way one perceives the threat determines their response to the threat. And then we made the point it's not your circumstances, it's not the stressors or the trauma itself that really makes the difference. Instead, it's, your, it's how you think about your circumstances that makes the difference. Again, we see that in Scripture. What about Joseph in the Old Testament? Genesis 45, we've made this point. You A know, guy was th- sold into slavery as a, as a kid, um, away from his family, thrown in jail once he was down in Egypt. And yet, he was able to thrive and continue to trust in the Lord in spite of his tragedy. Why? Well, what was his perspective? What was his perspective on all of it? Uh, We see that in Genesis 45 where he says, hey, brothers, don't worry about it. I forgive you. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. You didn't send me here. God did. And he did it for a reason. And uh, so Joseph was helped. He wasn't destroyed by post-traumatic stress. That's not to say that he didn't have some anxious days. That isn't to say that he didn't struggle for for a while with you know anxiety and fear. But in the end, he was victorious. He was able to grow and thrive because he had the right perspective on his suffering. Again, it goes back to that biblical having a good biblical theology of suffering in understanding the sovereignty of God like he did, and that you know his God was a loving God who cared about him, and he was an all-wise God who had reasons for the trouble that he allowed into his life, Joseph's life. Same thing when we look at Paul in, in 2 Corinthians 12 and his thorn in the flesh. Remember, and he begged the Lord three times to take it away, but in the end, um, you know, he knew that God told him, my grace is sufficient for you. And so Paul rejoiced. He says, okay, I'm going to rejoice in my weakness then. Because when I am weak, uh, he is strong. And uh, so I can serve God better. Because God's grace is now resting upon me. To the extent that I'm weak and humbled, then I can be a recipient of God's grace. And so I think you all understand. And that's kind of the main point we're trying to make here. That uh, our perspective makes all the difference. And so as Christians, uh, as though we, we have hope in the Lord, we have His Spirit, and we understand with the help of Scripture, as we encounter trouble in this life, again, it's not to say we're not minimizing it, we're not saying it's not you know, painful and sad, and uh, tremendously sad at times. Um, again, we, t- we talked about Paul and the anguish that he felt in his heart. And uh, there's probably folks, I'm sure some of you tonight, you know, you are grieving over something, um, someone, and you're, you're worried, you're concerned about someone, or maybe it's something that's affecting, and it's affecting you or a family member, and so it's real and it's painful, but praise God, we have, we have this hope, and we have the hope of His Word and we can have his grace and peace as we know him better through his word. And that means I better stop because they're <laughs> opening the door on me there. I always
0: like the idea of holding hands with God through it. Yeah. Rather than yeah. fighting, just yeah. something yeah it together. Yeah. The Christians, part of the thinking.
1: But you remind me, let's end, you know, you remind me of a great verse, Isaiah 41, um, 10 and 13, that talks about what you just said, God holding our hand. Isaiah 41, good to end on this verse here, Uh, verse 13. But let me read verse 10 as well. Fear thou not for I am with thee, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And then look down at verse 13. For I the Lord thy excuse me, for I the Lord thy God will hold thy right hand saying unto thee, fear not, I will help thee. Amen. So he does right there says he will hold Our right hand.
0: That is Mark Taylor's favorite Bible verse, by the
1: way. Yeah, good. That's a great one. Marked in my Bible. That's a great one. Anything else? I know we're over time here. Last minute comments, questions. Sorry I didn't leave time for more discussion at the end. With all that being said. Yeah, yeah. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's wonderful that we've got God's word too. Yeah. We, that's, that's what's so important. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, amen. Amen. Yeah, they can't, you know, and that's why they're that's why so many are uh, miserable, depressed. I mean, we don't, we don't see it, you know, all the time. We hear about it sometimes, you know, they're uh, killing, you know, committing suicide. You hear about even these rich and famous people, millionaires, you know, killing themselves. And instead um, sad because
0: of, in our government, our military doesn't want to acknowledge God. Yeah. He's out of everything.
1: And yeah. And that's the very yeah. answer. Yeah. Yep. Of every human heart. But yeah. Yeah. You're on your own, trying to things out. Yeah. It's sad. It really is. Yeah. We're deceived. Yeah, we're committing suicide as a country. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Bob and I just got home from Georgia. We went through the smoking hut.
1: Yeah. And Amen. Maybe there may have be been a little glimmer of hope there. That's uh there's a, there's, a, there's a few more conservative <laughs> folk down there, I, I understand.
0: Well, you ain't wrong. <laughs> but what I was thinking is I was watching, you know, Valley I thought, you know, every one of us. Has to get to Jesus. It doesn't matter which way we—he's going to take us. Yeah. It's still going to be the same place of origin. Or mm-hmm. our goal okay. is to get like Jesus, and it, God's going to take us any way He thinks He can to get us there. Right. And yeah. we just hold hands with Him and go. We do have a choice. Yeah. yeah. Really. What
1: I of in all those I, swear I did. Yeah, well, good. That's a good. Because <laughs> we don't have any mountains around here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, we better, we better close. Um, let, let's close in prayer. Lord, we're just so thankful for your word and your promises, Lord. Um, we know that we will continue to experience difficulty, trials, trauma in this sin-cursed world, but we are so thankful for the hope that we have because of Jesus, and through your word and your Holy Spirit, Lord, and even just the understanding, the perspective that we can gain by studying your word and, and knowing you better through your word and understanding that you are uh, a God of love who cares so much for us, nothing can happen to us apart from your will. Uh, And at the same time, Lord, you are sovereign and in control of all things and then all wise and just working perfectly, orchestrating all of our circumstances to accomplish your specific ends, uh, your specific goals for each and every one of us, uh, chiefly uh, conformity to the image of your son, Jesus. We just praise you for this, Lord, these wonderful truths. Help us to remember them and to trust you and to share these truths with others. Lord, to help them as they are struggling. And uh, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757 488 3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's Word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life.